This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. It is Shira and Shar is filling in for Ryan. Uh, This is a unique show because for the next 10 days, I'll be uh, coming to you live in quarantine. Yeah, this feels strange. I've never done this. I've done, you know, the virtual before. I should mention, like, yeah. last year in 2020, I filled in, you know, when um, Drop the Subject was still a show on Channel Q, and I filled yeah. in, but everybody was at home. So it feels weird being in studio, but I have the company of producer Vanessa, but I'm talking to you through <laughs> the screen. <laughs> yes. Uh, so basically, I, I went to Montreal, my hometown, for Thanksgiving. When I landed, I found out my dad got COVID. And so right away, uh, me and my boyfriend got tested and we started coming down with symptoms. And yet we are positive uh, for COVID. Unfortunately, we got breakthrough cases and a few of my family members. And so, yeah, it was an interesting Thanksgiving, to say the least. Now, are you concerned whether or not you all got like the regular degular COVID or do you have the Omicron? I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> I, I have a, the symptoms I have are, you know, flu, cold symptoms, headache, definitely a lot of like that cold to sweaty Ooh. feverish. Yeah. So uh, I but feel we'll- like I might have been through the worst of it. So I hear the first 48 hours. Make sure you get worst. you some electrolytes, Shira. Get you some electrolytes. I will. Go on down to the to the medicine store, the, the corner store. At I the will. corner of Happy and Healthy. I'm not openly endorsing anyone, but you know which one I'm talking about. And get you some electrolytes. And feel better soon because we need you back. I well, Well, I appreciate that. I'll be back in person uh, next week. In the meantime, I'll be joining you virtually, but definitely starting to feel better. So I'm happy to be on the show today. And with you, Shar, uh, we've got a lot coming up. We're be talking about bringing up inflation when it comes to asking for a pay raise. A lot of us need this right now as we go into our new contracts in the next year. That's at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Plus, Adele is coming to Vegas. We've got the details in the tier report in a moment with Char. Uh, First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Uh, Google released an online glossary of LGBTQ terms that include anti-gay slurs and demisexuals, but oddly enough, left out bisexuals and pansexuals entirely. Hmm. I don't know how this happens when you come up with a list like this. They did this in conjunction with uh, the LGBTQ plus language and media literacy program by Video Out. And they, you know, Google partnered with Men's Health on this too. They said the tool guides journalists through the complex world of LGBTQ plus vernacular. But of course they included some important parts of that. Right. So I figured when I was first reading this that this would be Google's version of like the AP style book. When I was an undergrad, that's what we, you know, swore by. That was the journalistic Bible, so to speak, if you had any questions on how to cover something. It was the Associated Press's style Mm -hmm. book. But I don't understand how, like you just mentioned, with the acronym of LGBTQIA, you know, plus, how do you leave out bisexual and then pansexual as well? And then... Like you mentioned, this went through other channels, through the LGBT Language and Media Literacy Program and Men's Health Magazine. How come no one flagged this? This is just so odd. It is really odd. LGBTQ Nation, who reported about this, said that the team that put the list of 100 words and phrases together was comprised of queer people also, which is very confusing. So, yeah, I don't know what happened, but they have mentioned that it was a mistake and they're going to be fixing it hmm. <laughs> a bit too late though okay and now let's move on to omicron the head of drug maker moderna uh, said 
and that COVID-19 vaccines are unlikely to be as effective against the Omicron variant of the coronavirus as they have been previously. And it sparks fresh worry in financial markets about the trajectory of the pandemic as well. Vaccine uh, resistance could lead to more sickness, as we know, and hospitalizations prolong the pandemic. And these comments from this uh, CEO are triggering selling in these assets like oil stocks and Australian dollar. So not only obviously is bad for all of our overall health, for those who've gotten Moderna, uh, but also it's lead to uh, leading to the economy kind of falling right. apart. Right. Well. And, and let's be honest, <laughs> that is the real concern here. People are not concerned with lives. They're concerned with the economy. And I'm scared to see what American capitalism will look like if we have to be forced to go back into lockdown. Totally. Just, just I don't know if it's going to it's going to happen, but that doesn't mean we're still going to we're not going to see it hitting the economy and our work. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. Uh, but finally, we did have breaking news today of uh, a shooting that happened at a high school in Detroit under Sheriff Michael McCabe shared that the 15-year-old Oxford High School shooting suspect in custody is not telling us anything at this point. And here's more. Wow. This is the overhead scene of where this went down. This is Oxford High School, about 12.55 p.m. We understand uh, one suspect, one person with a gun, uh, apparently opened fire inside of the high school. Not clear what part of the high school, where this was taking place. But inside of Oxford High School, we know that that person with a handgun opened fire, at least striking four to six people. We know that four to six people had been hurt. Not clear if those are students, faculty, staff. I saw um, on ABC7 that three people, there's been three confirmed uh, fatalities, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, Yep. Uh, and that was what's trending this hour. Give us some good news with the T-Shar, please. I mean, please go easy on me, right? Adele uh-huh. Superfans, get ready because she is headed to Las Vegas. It was just announced this morning that Caesars Palace will host Weekends with Adele. The shows kick off January 21st, 2022 and run through April 7, uh, excuse me, April 16th, 2022, where the 33-year-old British singer will perform two shows every weekend. So my prediction is this is going to sell out really fast because it's not like Adele is doing six shows every weekend. It's two, probably one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And it's for a limited time. Now, I should mention that this will be Adele's first time, like, in concert, for real, for real, since her last tour in 2017. So people are going to be coming all over, flocking to Vegas to go see Adele. Are you going to go, Shira? Do you want to go see Adele? This is one I feel like I would go to. I wish I'd gone to Lady Gaga's. And Britney Spears, I feel like there's a few of those that I would have loved to see. Mariah Carey. I'll go check it out. I would have loved to see yeah. Mariah as well. I think Adele's is going to be great because what I envision is like Adele's going to have like the orchestra, right? You know, uh-huh. the, the CD's not going to be playing. But it's like, I feel like you have to go to the Adele show with a very particular person or group of people. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, do you go with, would you totally. go with your boyfriend to the Adele show? Like, what, what does that it, look like? Possibly. It's a bit of a downer when you have a lover, like, you know, talking about breakups and everything. Maybe go with your girlfriend. Or it can bring you closer, make you more introspective to your Poss- Possibly. Yep. Exactly. You know we you love know, the woo woo woo. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Get get some emotion going and then reflect on it after. <laughs> well, that's the T report for this hour. Okay. Well, next up, more on the Omicron variant and why it's raising concerns about global vaccine equity. That- Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So global health experts are saying the new Omicron variant in Southern Africa, it stems from vaccine inequity. Africa remains the most undervaccinated region of the world with 7% of their population fully immunized. So joining us right now to break it all down is Carmen Pon, a global health reporter for Politico. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So first, do we know definitively that this came from Africa? There's been a lot of reports that this is not necessarily the case or um, just the misinformation around it as well. We do not. We do not know for certain where it came from. The only thing we know is that um, South African experts were the first one to identify it, to sequence it. Um, They saw that there were cases picking up uh, in one of their provinces. And they are driven by this variant. But at this point, we don't know if it came from somewhere else. And the South Africans were just the first ones to catch it. 
which has been so interesting watching how these headlines have framed Africa's role in all of this. But I do have a question as far as uh, there's been a history of extracting resources from Africa. But then when Africa is in need, everyone kind of turns their back on the on the continent. I want to know, with all of these extra vaccines, we see these stories all the time from the Philippines to the United States of extra vaccines. Why is it that only 7 percent of Africa is fully vaccinated? What's happening with this distribution? Is it inequity in that as well? There's been that that was the main cause, the the inequity of distribution. The African African Union officials have complained that by the time they were ready to buy vaccines, there weren't any left to buy on the market that rich countries had already bought them at the end of last year and early this year. Um, Then we have the global vaccine equity effort, COVAX, which has also struggled to get all the vaccines that um, they had been promised that they had contracts for to be able to distribute equitably um, to African countries and other countries that, um, you know, didn't necessarily have the resources like the U.S. and other rich countries to have their own uh, big deals with pharmaceutical companies. Um, So that's one of the factors. Another factor um, is vaccine hesitancy, and this is a problem both in, you know, rich and developing countries. Mm -hmm. People just, um, in some cases, they don't trust that, you know, COVID is severe enough. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't trust that the vaccines are safe, that, you know, they think that they were developed very fast. So all this have really combined in a a sort of toxic mix that have unfortunately helped, um, you know, or helped or got Africa to the point where they are still um, under 10% overall vaccination rate. And obviously there are countries doing better than others. So we must say South Africa is one of the countries on the continent that is doing much better mm-hmm. than many other of its neighbors when it mm-hmm. comes to vaccination rate. Yeah, with this being an unfortunate reminder about global vaccine equity and hesitancy, what can we learn from a, a moment like this? Uh, you know, one of the experts I was speaking to said that um, in the previous waves that Africa experienced, which I think there were three, at some point you kind of lose track of, of the number of waves on different continents, uh, different continents, um, they, you know, they, when there was a high, a high need for vaccines, a high demand, they didn't have them. And then they came maybe at a time when, um, you know, the wave had passed, so people relaxed. Um, they didn't get them anymore. They thought, okay, this is done. We don't need to worry about it anymore. And then it came back. I mean, obviously, hesitancy is such a big problem in many countries. It has different, um, you know, different causes depending on where you're looking at. It can be a mix of mistrust of government, mistrust of the pharmaceutical industry, online misinformation, just people, you know, like relying more on sort of like word of mouth of people not believing in in this, Mm -hmm. believing in some sort of myths. And it's really hard to have a global response to because you really have to understand in each country and in each region why people don't want to get vaccinated and try to really speak to them um, about, about the need for them to do so without, you know, looking down on their reasons or, or dismissing their concerns. Right. I feel it. this is the perfect time to reiterate that vaccine hesitancy is not confined to one, you know, race or ethnic group because it's across the board and in, in regardless of country. But I want to know, what do we do in the meantime? Because it kind of feels like, you know, we still are learning about the Omicron variant and it almost feels like we're all just like sitting ducks waiting for the next uh, curveball with this whole COVID thing. So what happens in the interim as, you know, travel bans are coming back into play and and people are still sorting out, you know, what vaccines uh, are effective and what needs to be developed. What do we do in the meantime? Right. So we will know probably in a few weeks um, how bad this variant is, if it's the one that many people fear might, you know, end up rendering vaccines partially ineffective or in the worst case scenario, not effective at all. Um, you know, there have been experts have, have said countries need to increase testing. Um, there is there is a way um, that the uh, the Omicron va- Omicron variant um, comes up in testing that can tell you that is that variant and not Delta or other variants. Um, and obviously, we've seen President Biden and other leaders of other countries asking for people to get vaccinated because there are many experts that expect that there will still be a level of protection provided by the vaccines, even though maybe it's not as high as it has been for for other variants in. In circulation, um, and I guess you know the other 
the World Health Organization um, experts always say, you also have to do the, all the other things that people might not necessarily like, wear a mask, you know, keep your distance, maybe don't attend um, indoor crowded events uh, with many people, especially if they're in masks. So all the stuff that were in place from the beginning that I know people are tired of, um, those should also be observed alongside being vaccinated or getting vaccinated if you're not. Definitely. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us for this. That was Carmen Pond, Global Health Reporter for Politico. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, next up, why this old tweet from Twitter's new CEO is making conservatives angry. We get into it next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. An 11-year-old tweet from the new Twitter CEO, Parag Agrawal, is getting a lot of attention. This always is what happens. Like someone gets a new job, someone gets a promotion, and the trolls will go into the archive and find that post. And ruin you. (laughs) Yeah, to to drag you. And so this one is... Interesting, though, because I want to know, Shar, if you think this is worth the drag. Well, conservatives think so, at least. I, I think liberals kind of get the point. So basically, Parag had tweeted, and this is back in 2010, a snippet from a segment from The Daily Show. He wrote, if they are not going to make a distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racists? Now, that's not a statement from him. He basically was quoting comedian Asif Manvi, who had joined Jon Stewart at the time and fellow comedian Larry Wilmore on the show to discuss um, in 2010 the firing of Juan Williams, an NPR employee who was on the O'Reilly factor saying that when he's on a plane, if he sees someone identifying themselves first and foremost as Muslim, I get worried, I get dangerous. And so (laughs) conservatives are obviously now saying like, Watch out. Now we have the CEO who is against white people, which is so wild to me, especially given the current news cycle when Lauren Bobart just recently made a tasteless crack at Ilhan Omar uh, under the same vein. You know, she lied and told this whole story about being in an elevator and Ilhan was in there and she's and this woman allegedly saw. Well, it was all a lie. She ended up saying that it was a lie, but like police was running towards the elevator and looking concerned and she made uh, I'm not going to repeat the joke on air because it's not a joke and it's terrible and it feeds into a gross stereotype about Middle Eastern people. But I looked at this tweet. It's still up on on the on the new CEO's Twitter and it is it has quotation marks around it. So I don't understand how people are taking this like you mentioned as like his word face value when he's literally quoting someone. And I also think that the comparison is fair. If one group of people is going to make an ignorant blanket statement about another group of people, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. And I don't think he said anything inflammatory or wrong. I tried to look at this as objectively as possible. Um, And I don't I don't think the comparison was was made in in ill tones. Yeah, I I I tend to agree. I think this is definitely 
uh, some, I would say, fuel for the fire for conservatives who think that now Twitter is going to be more biased than ever before against the right. And this proves that point, right? It's evidence to that. Although I do think someone speaking from their lived experience, I don't know what his background is exactly, uh, but Prague is not necessarily like a white man. Right. He's not blonde um, and hair, so he's, blue-eyed. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so he's obviously also speaking from his lived experience, which we can't necessarily cancel that. We can't necessarily say like he doesn't have the right to speak from his what he's lived been experience. Through. But you're right. Yeah. The people over on Fox and, and conservatives are going to run this to the ground because keep in mind, you know, Trump's account was deleted. And so they're going to this is more fuel for the fire. And I don't understand why this is just so wildly incendiary to them. I really do not understand this. I, I, I don't because they say one thing from my experience, but then their actions never reflect it. Their actions hardly ever, I should say, reflect it. So I think that this is going to go away. This is really only drumming up amongst certain groups. And I I do think that this will go away, especially because this man is not a celebrity. We're not going to see him every day, engaging every day. He's literally Twitter's new CEO. So that Well, the other Jack Dorsey uh, made news a lot, but hopefully uh, this new one will be a bit more low key and they'll focus on the product. They'll focus on the platform and doing the right thing. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we are back and it's Shira. Sharja Sells filling in for Ryan in the studio. I am coming to you virtually via Zoom. So thank you for your patience. If you hear anything, I'm in quarantine for the next 10 days. Uh, yes. Uh, we miss you, Shira. Vanessa and I miss I you. I miss you too. It is a bit of a wonky uh, show, but you know what? We're powering through it and we're giving the people the good talk and the good ex- headlines. Exactly. Exactly. Catching you up on everything that you need to know. Uh, We're going to be telling you more about what this woman did in a sad attempt to get her ex to text her. That's uh, later on this hour. It's always amazing to um, uncover these stories. You know, they come from social media, from TikTok. And you're like, really? Really? Yeah, I got to say, on the other end of heartbreak, I just try my best not to judge because you just never know how you're going to act. Heartbreak will reveal some things about you. That is true. Uh, Plus, we are honoring a fashion icon and designer who left us way too early. That's in the tea report in a moment. So stick around for that. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Hungary's parliament passed a resolution today, which will empower the government to hold a referendum on LGBTQ issues, raising Prime Minister Viktor Orban's anti-LGBTQ campaign to a new level as he heads into an election race next year. Now, Orban is a nationalist who has been in power since 10. And this year he proposed a referendum on ruling party Party legislation legislation. that limits schools teaching about homosexuality and trans issues, stepping up the culture war within the European Union. That is insane to think about. Right, Shira? Yeah. um, Thank you, Shar, for (laughs) jumping in on that. Um, Yeah, it's it's really sad and scary what's happening in Hungary. um, And so... The hope is that some of these countries will make a change, but it's hard to when they have leaders like this still in power. And I always wonder what the driving force is. I think it, it really frustrates me as a trans person. It just seems like, I mean, even within the United States, I often say trans people have been placed in the middle of a culture war that we didn't ask to be in. But it seems like that's what unites the right and the left. So let's, let's you know, sweep under the rug, you know, gun reform. Let's ignore poverty and, and, and hungry children and what have you, climate change. And let's focus on being anti-LGBT. Q, because no matter how liberal you are or how conservative you are, it seems to be that's the place where a lot of people come together to agree, which is so Mm. odd to me. And it's very disturbing. But, yeah, I hope Hungary gets it together because that's not right. Definitely. Well, let's move on to what's happening right here in the U.S. Federal Chair Jerome Powell predicts an economic um, impact from the Omicron variant. Here's what he had to share today. We're not thinking and I'm not thinking that the economy, that the effects on the economy will be remotely comparable to what happened last March with the shutdowns or that there will be additional shutdowns. We've we've tried to adapt. We're focused on maximum employment and price stability, and we've tried to adapt uh, our policy as we've moved along. We'll continue to do that. Well, the economy is a growing concern, as we mentioned, top of the hour with this Omicron variant, because we don't know which way the pendulum is going to swing at all. 
It's very scary, actually. That is true. So just like, let's look out for our health. Let's look out for each other and do the best we can as we continue to be in this pandemic. Let's not forget. And continue to wash those hands and mask up. Exactly. Make sure that when you're around people, and I learned this the hard way, make sure everyone's negative. <laughs> oh, okay? you're talking about everyone Even if you're in studio? Old family. You're talking about everyone what? in studio is negative? I don't know. Oh, it's like, that's the real thing. It's like, you could have a, but you got to make sure people are negative or just stay in your bubble. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to this announcement today uh, because Dr. Oz, as you know, the talk show host announced that he's Senate in Pennsylvania as a Republican. What? You know what? This doesn't surprise me because Mehmet Oz is in a certain um, financial bracket. Um, but this, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, you, but you know what? We are looking for right now in this country in order to keep bipartisanship or the idea or theory of bipartisanship valid. We need Republicans like Dr. Oz. I'm guessing. I don't know how he, he is politically. I only know the man that I know through the TV and he seems to have a bit of common sense when it comes to social issues. I don't know about his advice as a physician, but when it comes to social issues, he tends to have a bit of common sense about him. And there has been a rallying cry for Republicans with common sense to step to the forefront because right now it appears that that entire party is Team Trump. And we know that Team Trump has no common sense. Uh, That is true. Yeah. He wrote this in this guest column published by the Washington Examiner where he talked about this announcement. He said, we're angry at our government and at each other. We have not managed our crisis as effectively as past generations. During the pandemic, I learned he learned that instead of solutions that's right that is why he's running for the u.s senate to help fix the problems and help us heal you know what this statement kind of reminds me a lot of what matthew mcconaughey was saying even though he revealed that he is not going into politics right we know that matthew mcconaughey tried to will entertain the thought of running for governor of texas but let's head on to the t report so virgil abloh i don't know if you know about this shira But it was announced, it was the most shocking news on Sunday, I'd venture to say, um, founder of the fashion label Off-White and the current, at the time, menswear artistic director at Louis Vuitton passed away suddenly and caught everyone off guard. Well, the news caught everyone off guard on Sunday morning. He was only 41. Louis Vuitton and Abloh's personal Instagram account confirmed his passing. Uh, It was revealed that the Chicago native had battled cardiac angiosarcoma, which is a rare and aggressive cancer of the heart for at least two years. I want to know how you get screened and diagnosed for that. Cancer of the heart. That's such a particular place, you know? Yeah, it's it's really sad and unfortunate. And it shows how many times people are really... Yeah, it's suffering in pride. You never know what someone's going through. Yeah, so he survived by his wife Shannon and his two children, Lo and Gray Ablo, as well as his sister and his parents. Virgil Abloh's final Louis Vuitton Spring Summer 2022 collection was presented earlier today in Miami, which is Tuesday, November 30th at 5:30 p.m. Eastern. So rest in peace to him. He was such an innovator, and I think that he really did a great job of, at positioning himself, whether intentioned or not, to let little black boys everywhere know that you know. You can get involved in this fashion thing and you can climb to higher heights. He was certainly a fan of Kanye West and a friend of Kanye West, who we know has been itching to get into high fashion for at least a solid decade right now. So rest in peace, Virgil Abloh. That's the T-Report for this hour. We'll be back in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now we hear this phrase a lot these days. Remember to take up space or... Sometimes we might say you're taking up too much space, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But what does that actually mean? Joining us right now is Alex Jenny, a licensed clinical social worker and known as the drag therapist. Thanks for joining us again. Great to have you back. Yes, I'm so happy to be here with you all. Uh, so first, as we get into this conversation, I guess let's define what it means to say take up space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways for you to define it, depending on the context. But to put it simply, in a lot of the work that I do with clients who are wanting to work on trying to take up space, it means making room for your authentic emotions, feelings, experiences, and feeling like you can share those parts of yourself without feeling like you're being, quote unquote, too much. 
Yeah, I know that oftentimes as a black woman who is also trans, um, there is almost a fear of retribution as if black women are robbed from showing a range of emotions. You know, if I get upset, boom, angry black woman, you know, like that type of thing. I want to know what your opinion is on with marginalized groups taking up space on a lot of varying, you know, social media platforms, for example, where there seems to be this push for silence. We've seen so many times with content creators, for example, the TikTok dances that have been stolen from um, black or Latinx creators. And then there's an Addison Ray on Jimmy Fallon, for example, that is that's doing their choreography, but she's amplified because of, I guess, some of the um, systems at work, systems that we're up against. So how do we take up space if there seems to be a push of continuously silencing marginalized groups on social media across the board? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all the more reason to take up space, right? Uh, To try to push back against that work and to say, you know, my art, my voice deserves to be shown and represented and also to learn how to be protective of our creative property, you know, and making sure that people aren't just going to um, take advantage of the things that we're trying to put out there and, and pass it off as their own, you know, but there are, like you said, real consequences to trying to take up space sometimes that can result in, in harm and in getting our work stolen and, and, uh, hate comments and things like that. So it's it's difficult to balance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with you and I follow you on social media and you're so amazing, really showing who you are and inspiring so many people. Why is this such an important topic for you and your work? Well, I think it's because I have been taught to take up as little space as possible in many different parts of my life. And turning to social media and the internet has been like a beacon of healing and safety for me to be able to like scream into a void and have it scream back or at least acknowledge my pain in some way. Um, Taking up space on the internet in many ways has been one of the only spaces where I do feel relatively safe compared to trying to take up space in public, trying to take up space in my family. Right. It's a, it's a relatively, um, accessible for me way of taking up space, practicing that, um, even though, you know, the hate comments on Instagram and death threats do come in still, mm-hmm. but I'm still, you know, in the safety of my own home versus trying to take up space in, in public and being afraid of, of violence sometimes. And so it's for me to connect with community. It's for me to model what I want other people to be able to do and access for themselves. Um, And it's a way for me to practice taking up space. Yeah. As you were speaking, I was thinking about how you kind of do have the agency and autonomy to kind of log off and walk away if things get too heavy. But what's your response to I can't remember the term that's being used, but I know that a lot of marginalized groups are getting kind of doxxed on platforms Mm -hmm. like a Twitch, for example, where, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just all of this. Uh, hate coming their way. What tips do you have with coping with sometimes being a marginalized person attempting to sh- uh, take up space when the grand majority is is kind of dogpiling on you just because it's Tuesday, so to speak? Like, like, what tips do you have for coping with something like that? Hmm. I'd say making sure that you know those spaces, while they are great to build community, are not the only spaces that you're looking at to try to build and foster a sense of vulnerability with other people. You know, when I was um, receiving a lot of hate for some of the posts that I've been posting, you know, I turned to my friends and my group chat and phone calls with my close friends, and I logged off. You know, um, but with events that happen on Twitch, you know, and I know we, um, during the pandemic, we're hosting a lot of Zoom parties and mm-hmm. people would like Zoom bomb and things like that. I think it is about strategizing around how to handle those things when it happens and then making sure, again, for yourself that you have sources of support to turn to when you do feel like you need to take a step back and log off and, and get off of those platforms. Uh, well, Thank you so much for being here and for sharing this. And again, in, in the article, Mike.com, you talk about this mantra. Do you want to just leave us with a, a mantra to tell yourself if you feel like you don't deserve to be in a space and that you deserve to take up space? 
Yeah, I uh, jokingly talk about the powers of delusion, (laughs) kind of uh, reclaiming the things around my mental illness. And when I was starting to navigate public spaces and people would stare at me or make comments, I would always say, you know, I deserve to take up this space. They're staring at me because I am so beautiful. And so, you know, that's the mantra that's helpful for me. And I hope that other people find their own mantras that help them take up space because we are worthy and deserving to to do that. Oh, thank you so much. That was Alex Jenny, a licensed uh, clinical social worker and the drag therapist. Great having you back. Thank you so much. Well, next up, should you bring up inflation in a pay raise request and how to do that? We get into it next. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, as we know, inflation has hit the U.S., reached 6.2% in October. That's the highest it's been in more than 30 years. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of us are dealing with contracts um, and reviews with our employers. And should you be involving the inflation conversation into your negotiation? That's the big question. You know... When I first read this, when we first were kind of talking about this off air, I don't see the harm in it. But I think that you shouldn't lead with it. Right. I feel like if you're going to bring up inflation during negotiation uh, conversation, so to speak, it should be like the caveat, like the, the trump card, so to speak. Hate using that term, but really like the trump card. Like that should be your last straw in pleading your case. I believe in putting together an entire verbal PowerPoint presentation as to why (laughs) you deserve a raise when it comes to performance, when it comes to, you know, you got to talk about your leadership, your attendance, you know, your workplace attitude. Like there's a lot of things that go into that soup, so to speak. A lot of ingredients that go into that soup. But if your boss is still kind of being like, "Eh," or straddling the fence, or it doesn't seem as convincing, then you can let them know, listen, the rent is going up. Gas prices are going up. The the price of a loaf of bread is going up and I can continue living like this. Yeah, here's the thing. So according to this data from the conference board, the median salary and raise increase for 2021 is expected to be 3%, which still feels really low. But that said, say it is 3%. I do think it it should be pretty fine and normal and just appropriate to say, okay, 3% is typically the salary raise, but knowing that there's 6.2% inflation, it should be 6.2% plus the 3%. Exactly. And then there's also external factors that tack on to this, right? We know that women still earn like, I think it's 70 cents to every man's dollar. And then when you do, you know, um, the ethnic breakdowns, it gets even, you know, sketchier. So it's one of those things where what will be the breaking point? What will be the breaking point? Because it's like we need our jobs to survive, of course. But if everything's going up around us, if I can't afford to put gas in my car to get to work, then how do I show up and get actually get the work done? Especially if I'm getting, you know, chump change, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how you feel about your life and your lifestyle informs and influences your work, right? When you feel like you're valued, when you feel like you at least uh, are getting a win-win, right? From 
your work environment and your employer, it, it gives you more incentive to put your best foot forward. And I, I think that's the reality of it. It's so all- it, it's a, yeah. I was just saying it's almost like a return on investment on both parts, right? Yeah, your, your totally. Your employer hires you. They're investing in you. In turn, it's like an ecosystem. In turn, you do your best because you're investing in this job to then, you know, put your mind at ease. This conversation is actually reminding me of like when I first graduated, like when I was a fresh, you know, uh, graduate from undergrad. I was working so hard when I moved back to Chicago to try to get into Harpo Studios. This was right before Oprah was launching OWN and it was so hard to it was impossible to get into Harpo as an employee you know and you want to know why because nobody ever left the turnover rate was little to none because Oprah was the best. You got the best birthday and Christmas gift. Like you had the best workplace incentives yeah. at Harpo. Even though if you chose to la- leave, excuse me, if you chose to leave, having that name on your resume will carry you, you know, almost anywhere. But people, they had, their retention rate was just stuck. No one was leaving Harpo Productions. And, and a it's lot not of like transition to put that in. Yeah, it's not like they put that in your face, though. Like you're I mean, there is a bit of a thing, uh, something to be said about you're lucky to be here. You should be grateful and not take it for granted. But I look at a work relationship just like any relationship. Oh, yeah. There needs to be value and energy put in from both sides. There needs to be um, a feeling of, of value and respect from both sides. If it feels like one person is being taken advantage of or the other, it's just not going to work. And just finally, as we wrap things up, there are experts that are saying um, this, that um, knowing how the cost of living affects your market value should be part of your research for the negotiation, but don't bring it up explicitly to your boss in a raised request about your performance because it can backfire. And then also another expert says um, and recommends making... It a separate conversation from a raise request due to performance. So focus on your performance and then add it in as the separate part of just the realities of the world and environment that we're living in. I agree. But I wonder in what term and in, in what way could it backfire? What does that mean? Like your boss is like flips you the bird. I know. Says, I, I, I think that's I, I agree. I just think you should be able to have an honest and transparent conversation. Yes, with absolutely. People you work with. Absolutely. Anyway. Well, next up, how far would you go to get an ex's attention? What this one woman did that may have taken it too far. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yep, we are back and it's Shira Sharja self filling in for Ryan. And this story just blew my mind. How far would you go to get attention from your ex? So this woman arranged her own marriage pics. Okay. She took fake wedding pictures in a bid to get her ex to text her and of course, posted a video about this on TikTok saying, remembering the time I faked my own wedding and had a professional photo shoot so he could reach out. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Shira, Shira, Shira. Where do we even begin with this one? I will say part of me empathizes with her um, only because I would like to know how old she was. I think that matters, right? It matters whether she was 19 or whether she was 29 when she did this. Either way, I just think that if it's that serious, you need to go ahead and text him. Like, why are you shelling out, I'm guessing, thousands of dollars? Like, these pictures are so elaborate. There's a faux groom, a faux it's pastor. Intense. She had to pay for the venue. She had to pay for the horse. Like, if you're going to do all of that, if you're going to go to that extreme, just put your own pride aside and text him. I, I don't get this. Or just move on. I mean, if you have to go to this length to get this person's attention, maybe this is a sign this person is not the right person for you. And we should mention that it didn't work. He did not reach out. (laughs) And she should probably take a step back and look at the ways in which she contributed to her own suffering. This just seems toxic on both ends, maybe, right? Because why would you even position yourself to have someone text you? Like, I don't know. This is weird to me. It's weird. It's weird. Well, it's it's almost like, she, yeah, she wanted him to uh, say, oh, no, don't get married. Although you're already married. If anything, maybe get an engagement photo shoot. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, <laughs> and then at least he could say, no, I don't want you getting married. I would love to try this out still because you're not married yet. At this point, the deed has been done. He is not coming to save the day. No, this is not a rom-com starring Jennifer Lopez, which is actually one of my favorite genres of film. I will always watch, I say the gens, I love a Jennifer Aniston and a Jennifer Lopez film. If they show up, if I see their picture on my Netflix, I'm pressing play. 
I just know the it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. The sad thing about this, though, is that others in the comments admitted to doing the same thing. Oh, no. I blame Disney. Yeah. And they said, wait, they said that it actually worked. Like, oh, one person was like, I did this. And yeah, my ex ended up texting me or getting back with me. I'm also a German woman um, in March staged a glamorous faux ceremony as well. And she posted the pictures to Instagram. Her her ex ended up texting her the next day, freaked out because he thought that I was cheating on him while we were together and came back. Because oh, the timelines <laughs> probably didn't match. But you know what, Shira? Ultimately, I want us to want better for ourselves. Uh, collectively as women come on now let's get a backbone let's spend some of that money maybe in therapy rebuilding our self-esteem and not staging photo shoots trying to coerce and manipulate relationships let's do Mm -hmm. that I, i want us to want better for ourselves because either way it goes whether you get your ex's attention and he comes back he she or they come back or or not either way it's manipulation and it's not gonna end well i can tell you that much Hey, that's the advice we all need right now, including those folks thinking about this or who have done it. We wish you the best. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, next up, we were talking about this earlier, and now we've got breaking news on Chris Cuomo's relationship with CNN. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we are back and lots of music still here on Channel Q, so stick around for that. It's Shira. Shar Giselle is filling in for Ryan today. Great as always to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's always great to be here. Yeah, we've got lots coming up, including news of a Mean Girl star who is engaged. That's in the T-Report. We love fun announcements. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's Giving Tuesday, so we're going to tell you more about a nonprofit helping vulnerable BIPOC and LGBTQ plus communities in Southern California. That's in 15 minutes. First, though, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, we've got breaking news on CNN and Chris Cuomo's relationship. We, of course, were talking a bit about this earlier in the show. Well, it seems like CNN has suspended Cuomo indefinitely following the release of new information that shed some new light on his involvement in his brother Andrew Cuomo's response to sexual harassment claims. So, Shar, knowing that, you know, we were talking about what they should do. What do you think of this latest move? You know, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I kind of saw this coming. I kind of saw this coming because if CNN did not make a move, it would then pull their integrity into question because Chris Cuomo's is already pulled into question. And so CNN as a network, as a franchise, as an entity, cannot afford to have their reputation on the line like this. But I noticed that they suspended him and did not fire him because he's still top talent. He's still liked by, you know, CNN's viewers. But it will certainly be interesting to see as as this unfolds and we learn more about this, what they're going to do, because ultimately I just don't see them firing him. I do not see them fully yeah, I don't know. I think that they're going to be evaluating this, which they said in their statement, and then from there making a response um, and their next decision. And I do think that possibly we we might see that, and they'll just pay him out for his contract and call it a day. To be honest, yeah, yeah that but that let, could yeah. very much that could very much so happen. But I wonder where he'd land next because you know people love mm. uh, redemption. They love like where where is he going to land next, and would he even be interested in going over to an MSNBC or something like that? But I, I got my eye on this story. It's wild. Uh-huh. Well, he'll probably take a little break if he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Take a little break. Yeah. Now, speaking of news networks, or I don't know how newsy this network is, Fox News, they brought up a new conspiracy theory on Fox and Friends over the weekend. So they were talking about the Omicron variant of COVID-19 and how it was created Listen to this. In order to help boost Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg into the presidency in 2024. What? Now, how the heck did they... Now, that sounds like something from the the deep corners of the 8chan, 4chan, QAnon. How how did these dots connect? Did they go into detail? One of the anchors, Campos Duffy, uh, said uh, that Buttigieg has said he that we can't fix the supply chain problem until the pandemic is over, until COVID is over. And now we see these new variants. So that's the answer. More lockdowns, more lockdowns, more fear. And therefore, he doesn't have to do his job of fixing the supply chain because we'll keep this whole thing going, which is just so messed up. All I have to say as it regards to Fox News is the same thing I always say when Fox News comes up while I'm up here in this studio, is that all of them are vaccinated and they keep pushing their viewers to not be which is prolonging 
the pandemic, in essence. So are, is Fox News working for Pete Buttigieg, too? Yeah, right. If that's the case, because you all are not encouraging your, your viewer base to go get vaccinated, despite all of you all, including, you know, your, the Mr. Kiss the Ring, Donald Trump. Everybody's vaccinated. Everybody is vaccinated, but you all keep pushing these anti-vax theories. So in essence, if that is the truth, Fox and Friends, you all are also helping Poot Boot. I said Poot Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. For, 20, for 2024. If that's the case, if we're talking theories here. <laughs> yep, that is true. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Char? Oh, Lindsay Lohan has found love again because we know this is not her first time around the block. But either way, I'm happy for my girl. Lindsay announced on Instagram this past Sunday that she is engaged to Bader S. Shamas, sharing a gallery of photos of them smiling together. She showed off her new ring and in the caption she wrote, my love, my life, my family, my future, and included hashtag love and a diamond ring emoji. Now, uh, Lindsay Lohan's mother, Dina, reacted to the happy news, writing on her Instagram story, my heart is full, hashtag engaged, hashtag new beginnings. I'm happy for Lindsay. You know, she's been over in Dubai for about eight years now, I should mention. And this is a, a rare glimpse that we get into her personal life. And we'll, we will see her next year if if all goes well, because we know Lindsay has quite the rap sheet. I try not to judge her, but we know she has quite the <laughs> rap sheet. Uh, but she's working on a, on a film, a Christmas film, a holiday film that's scheduled to premiere on Netflix next holiday season. So not this year, but holiday 2022. But that's only if she... I'm not going to say if she can keep it together, because from what I see, she has been keeping it together. So congratulations to Lindsay and Bader. And we'll see how this pans out for her. Yeah, she's living it up in Dubai. And all of the girls, you know, Paris Paris just got married. You know, it's a turn of the tide. So I'm very, very excited to see what this is going to look like for her. But that's the tea report for this hour. Okay, well, next up, in honor of Giving Tuesday, actor and activist Jasmine Creighton joins us to talk about an organization helping BIPOC and LGBTQ plus communities and how you can support that. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it is Giving Tuesday, and we wanted to highlight a nonprofit doing great work for the community, APAI. IT, also known as the Asian Pacific AIDS Intervention Team, is on the ground helping BIPOC and LGBTQ plus communities in need. And right now to share more about the organization is Jasmine Michaela Creighton, who's a celebrated and award-winning actor, activist, vocalist, actor of AIT. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my God. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, It is an honor and a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Yes, well, welcome to the show, Jasmine. It's such an honor to be in conversation with you because we know that you've been such a an advocate. We've seen you in Disclosure. We've we've seen you. We're familiar with Jasmine. Okay, so <laughs> so um, so how did this? How did APAIT get started? APAIT was born out of grief. It was around the first pandemic with the AIDS crisis, and the API community wanted a place where their voices were heard and their voices were were cherished and honored and celebrated and they wanted to feel some sense of comfort and some sense of belonging. So they created their own um, grieving group that grew into something much more grander where they started reaching out and uh, to other, org- uh, other orgs and other community partners and were able to get grants and establish themselves as a, as a leader in the work uh, with against the fight against AIDS and HIV. Wow. So it started out of grief. That's that's something that's how has that evolved? Yeah. Go ahead, Shira. You know, I, I just want to know how it's evolved over time as 35 well. Thirty five years. We're coming up on our thirty fifth anniversary. We're having our big gala in June, June sixteenth. We're excited. And so how it is evolved as I get to sit here as a black trans femme doing the work, right? They've expanded and opened uh, open the space up, you know, for all of us to, you know, expand and grow. And so over the years, they've provided housing opportunities, mental health, behavioral health, um, HIV intervention prevention programs. They, they've done, they run the gamut. They, they have a food pantry. Uh, actually, we're raising money for the food pantry this Saturday uh, to honor World AIDS Day. So they, the work continues. It never stopped, even throughout the pandemic. Wow. Tell me more about the amazing uh, housing initiatives that are led by APAIT. 
Yes, I would love to. I just want you to know our vision is to advocate and educate and achieve optimum health and well-being for the vulnerable populations. And our mission is to positively impact the quality of life for vulnerable communities experiencing behavioral health challenges, housing insecurities, which I'm going to speak of, and HIV um, and AIDS, the risk of HIV and AIDS. And I want to just say this. People are not going to be engaged in their mental health or physical health or any other kind of health if their basic needs are not met. Mm -hmm. And so housing is a um, source of recovery. Housing is a a necessity. So when Mm -hmm. we, um, about four or five years ago, we we were engaging um, with the city and coming up with ways to really um, intentionally support trans sex workers that were navigating um, on Santa Monica Boulevard. And when we start engaging and providing services, we found that a large majority of them were homeless. So that's when our journey in the um, homeless spectrum really got started, is that we really wanted to be able to give them well-wrapped around services so that they could really find a, um, a safe space for them to, to heal and grow. So through that process, we've, had, we've been able to open up five Right, the four, four homes now. We have a home specifically for trans women here in L.A. Actually, it's one of the first in the nation because it's a collaboration with Los, the Los Angeles Housing Authority as well as Hopic. Oh, wow. And it houses 20 um, trans women and trans femme-identified individuals here in the uh, greater city, city of Angels here in Los Angeles. And then we have a queer inclusive home that was bought for, bought for us by our, um, how do you say, our uh, board members. And that, when I say queer inclusive, everyone can live at that particular house, and that is a collaboration with uh, DMH. So we, the goal is to really have folks engage in all aspects of their healing and their and their health. So we provide therapists, um, we provide psychiatrists, we provide caseworkers, and um, peer health educators. So we're 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 taking a well-rounded approach, and then we have a home specifically. We have two um, permanent uh, permanent housing um, initiatives where. One is for HIV, it's for comorbidity, so someone that's experiencing or living with HIV and um, with a substance use in their background. And this particular home is a collaboration with the West Hollywood City, uh, West Hollywood City Org Housing Corp. And it's a 22-unit, um, 20, yeah, 22-unit apartment here also in Los Angeles. And the last one but not least is Miss Sarah's house. Uh, the first one's name is Casa Zuma, and I'll tell you about the name. Second one's Auntie Melly's, the one, the queer inclusive one. And then uh, Sarah's place is in Compton, California, and it's a 10 bedroom permanent supportive housing program where uh, folks can come that um, are low acuity, right? They can kind of move about, have jobs uh, on their own. And so all the homes are named after folks that either um, worked at APIT or that were thoroughly engaged in uh, um, the services here at APIT. Thank you for breaking As that we, down because that was definitely going to be yeah. my follow-up question. Go ahead, Shira. I know I was, uh, because uh, we, we have to wrap things up, but it is Giving Tuesday, so we want to know how people can get involved and support the organization. What do you have to share today with, with that? The promo. Well, I would say every donation is intentionally used to supply and support community at at, at their at their at the greatest level. And apit.org or apitonline.org. Anyone can go there, make a donation. Um, you just let us know that it's come from Q. I want to thank Jane Simmons who is um, part of our board and has done an incredible work with really getting our name and our our initiative and our work out into the public. I always say that we're a boutique agency doing major work in the city and beyond. A lot of our clients have come from detention centers. They've been incarcerated. They're coming from other countries where they they have been ostracized or criminalized for being who they are and who they choose, you know, to be in there. And so we're just doing work that is intentional and necessary and it's time sensitive. And that's why the money, the giving is important because a lot of the programs that we engage with, you know, are 90 day programs. So we got to make sure that we're able to continue providing services for the clients thereafter. Definitely. Well, thank you again. That was Jasmine McKella Creighton, who's an actor, activist, also associate director of APAIT. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Really do. 
you rock. We appreciate the work you're doing. And thank you for keeping us uh, abreast and alive in the, in the community. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, next up, how to learn the difference between who's in your corner and who's in your business. We break it all down after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Is there a way to tell if someone is rooting for you or spying on you? Now, this is a question you're inspired. I'm going to give some credit to the real for bringing this up. Uh, but it, it definitely brings up a good question because there are those relationships where, you know, someone's asking you all these questions about your personal life, your professional life. And I don't know if this happens to you, Shar, but you're wondering, like, why are they asking so many questions? Like, is it coming from an, uh, a sincere place? Mm hmm. I have been in this situation more times than I'd like to admit, especially being uh, in Southern California and working in the entertainment industry. Um, I think that this really just boils down to discernment because I find that much like every relationship, you know, reciprocity is the name of the game. So if you're coming to me being a leech or trying to to get information from me, but there's no fair exchange. And I should mention that I'm, I'm saying this in the name of positivity, right? If there's no fair exchange, there's no need for me to be around. And if you're asking me about friends or associates of mine in a negative way, almost like in a gossipy oh, yeah. type way, it's over. It's a wrap. I put a, a nail right there because it's like, who sent you and why are you asking me? You go ask Shira about her business. Don't come to me at the <laughs> at the party at the open bar asking me about Shira Lazar. You go. She's right over there. You go ask her. You you DM yeah. her. Oh, so I've noticed. You, yeah, you tell them. <laughs> I've noticed certain things like that. And like I said, I think it all roads lead back to discernment. You really have to step back and look at because people's intentions are there. They reveal themselves no matter how good of an actor they are, no matter whether or not they're gunning for their Oscar and playing in playing in your face. Their intentions will always reveal themselves, even if they're just not as crystal clear and in your face to begin with. I totally, and I always say if someone is gossiping a lot to you and of course, they're safe spaces if you're if that person's your good friend but like if most of your conversation is gossip and judgment of other people like what who's to say they're not doing that about you behind your back i always say like someone will reveal who they are in every and any conversation yeah, right yeah. and you shouldn't like take yourself out of that um so that's one i i also think yeah there's the balance between asking you know getting details and asking questions but then like you, you don't want to have a conversation with someone who's not asking any questions, but like it is a give and take. And it's always about it's comes down to emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. Like, do you do you feel like you're around someone and they give you anxiety when they ask you questions? You feel uneasy. There's something about that, like trust that instinct and maybe, you know, test it out like a few times when you hang out with that person, like let their actions and words speak and and. You and know, measure, guide you with how you're going to and measure how you feel when you're around them, when you're in conversation with yeah. them. Yeah, that's also yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, how they do things later on will predict or will help you figure out who they really are. Right. Sometimes like you might have an issue with someone the first time you meet them. I'm always like at a certain point if you're always feeling the same way about that person you got to trust that yeah you do because it, it, it's literally it's right there it is right there in your face I'm also not interested in, in having conversation with people like don't invite me out to brunch and ask me 21 questions like you know let's relax let's, let's try to get to know each other like don't just have me out here to interview me and then you know I don't know it's just it's it's a lot of weird stuff floating around out here but this is an interesting topic I'd love to hear what everyone else has to th say about this yeah, at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Vulnerability comes from both sides. Remember, if you expect someone else to be vulnerable with you, you got to be vulnerable with them. Yeah. Or else that is a red flag. Don't be that red flag. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the day. Yes, Queen. That's the okay. best I can do it today, Shira. That's the best hey. I can do it. It's all good. It was good. It was good enough. Uh, now, this one is uh, a little bit of an outside the box one. <laughs> We want to celebrate these gay Aussie penguins, Fen and Magic, who are still making, as um, Out.com said, Spengic at Sea Life Aquarium in Sydney. So a uh, spokesman for the aquarium revealed that the famed same-sex Gen 2 penguin couple will celebrate the third anniversary of their partnered relationship with a special frozen fish cake. 
Mmm. I hope they have hot sauce. <laughs> right? Um, this is just so cute and fascinating um, because penguins actually don't typically uh, mate in this way. And so that's why they become really famous for their relationship. Well, you know what, Shira? Before we get out of here, I want to give one more yes, queen, to both you and myself for powering through today's show, <laughs> given the circumstances. I think that we deserve a yes, queen. Thank because you. Because we did it. We held it down for four hours, live radio, you know, uh, glitches be damned. We powered through and here we are at the finish line. So we deserve a yes, queen. Yes. For sure. And me with the COVID doing live radio yes, with COVID. You with the COVID. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, and we appreciate all of you for hanging out with us and continuing to join us right here on Channel Q. Tomorrow we are back. Let's go there 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern live. And we're going to be talking more about World AIDS Day, which is tomorrow. And oh, yes. plus how even plastic covers won't solve the privacy problem. I don't know if you're one of those people who puts like a little tape on your laptop camera. Well, why that might not be enough. Oh, my gosh. I need and, to listen tomorrow. Uh, exactly. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search. Let's go there. Um, Shar, Giselle, you're out tomorrow, right? But you're back the rest of the week. Yes, that is true. I okay, can't wait. So just, exactly. <laughs> we can't wait for you. You are our lifesaver here <laughs> on the show, definitely. Uh, Ryan will be back tomorrow with me. And now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Have a great night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.